2: Well hello once again Wilson football fans. Welcome back to the Bulldog Hour. Here we are episode two of season three. Back again after last week where we talked with some of the 2017 senior Bulldogs. This week we get to showcase our interviews with the coaching staff. If you're new to the show, welcome. I'm Joe Mays, one of your hosts. Sitting next to me, my co-host Justin Raffoff.
3: Yeah, it's a uh... Good to be back, and uh, getting even closer to uh, football season starting. uh, Give you some more insight to the program tonight. It'll be a lot of fun,
2: for sure. For sure, it was a great time interviewing the coaching staff. Uh, Coach Dom's was was great this year. This is you know this is our third time doing the show, getting to talk to these guys. It gets easier each year, and the one with Coach Dom's was uh, specifically uh, very interesting and has a lot of information. It's long. It is long. It's probably the longest interview that we've had on the show, but it's definitely worth it. I think we covered a lot of questions that people want asked at the beginning of the season. We look back on 2016, and we talk a little bit about kind of like behind the scenes or administrative stuff, which maybe sounds boring on the surface, but when you get into scheduling and how Wilson, you know, operates in the LL League, things like that. If you're ever interested in uh is Wilson going to leave the LA League? Do they, do the LA League want Wilson to leave?
3: It comes up every year, not necessarily at Wilson. Right. But at, it comes up when people are discussing, uh, Mifflin and Exeter are kind of vying for that section one in Burks one, uh, division, you know, championship every year. There's lots of talk in that realm, you know, that kind of filters its way over. And, um, and the reporter in charge of answering those questions always shoots that down before they're even done
2: like, right. finishing the question. <laughs> but it comes up all the but, time, you know, whether yeah, it it's on, on, you know,
3: Facebook groups, you know, in, internet like, comments, it's Twitter. It's a legitimate thing, too, as you get into uh, school budgets and things like that. You sure. You like, talk oh, about well, travel costs you know, and right, things like that,
2: because right, obviously, right. Lancaster Lebanon farther than going to the Burke schools, but what's always interesting to me is when people bring up, and usually this is from the Wilson people, it, it's usually outside of Wilson when people talk about leaving the LL and people assume us going to Berks. Usually, the Wilson people that talk about leaving the, the LL... And I'm not talking about like the admins or the coaching staff. Right, I'm, I'm talking, talking about like fans in the community. People in the stands, right? right. Yeah. Talk want Wilson to go to the mid pen because right. that's where you know all the competition is. And like anything though, it there's ebbs and flows and ups and downs. And you know Wilson, you know, hypothetically, could leave and go to another league. And then all of a sudden, what if that league's not good anymore? Right. You know, it right. just you know LL has been down a little bit over the last decade or so. I feel like so in the last think. couple
3: of years, it's it's started to really swing back. They've gotten some stability at some of those key programs again, you know, which is which is huge.
2: Yeah, so. it was. I mean, Manheim Township has been very good for a number of years. It was yeah. disappointed to see Penn Manor drop off because they had built a really nice program under yeah. uh under Todd Mealy, and hopefully, um, J- John Brubaker will get them going now in his, I believe, his third year. Because right, he had with the them. Manheim
3: Central pedigree there, you know, in a coaching staff. So you know, they he knows what it takes to to get that program up and running. It's just. Can you do it? But.
2: Well, we saw Warwick burst onto the scene last yeah. year and, and surprised a lot of people, almost including Wilson. I mean, they were surprised, but they didn't lose. Right. <laughs> uh, they, they got caught off guard a bit in week four, and uh, we'll, we'll see them welcome them to Gersky in week four, as we mentioned last week on the first episode of season three. But second episode here, we're going to interview mm-hmm. the coaches. Before we get to those interviews, we do want to go over the business again like we did last week. Just want to remind you to make sure that you're following us on a variety of social accounts, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and also subscribe to us on YouTube so you can get all of our shows past and present. Yeah, if you follow
3: us on those things, it will let you know when we are uh, putting content out there.
2: Yeah, I I, I was going to signal out one thing, be like, if you only do one of these, make sure you go here, but we do a lot on all of these accounts, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and they're all used for different reasons. Obviously, Instagram gets all the pictures, Twitter has a lot of the updates, and Facebook has a lot of the links. So make sure you like Bulldog Hour and Wilson Bulldogs Football on those accounts. And don't forget, you can also contact us via email or our contact form on the website. And the website is a great place to go. In case you don't remember where any of these things are or you want to look at or listen to a past show or you want to see who was player of the game, all that stuff can be found at bulldoghour.com. We also will be doing the show live starting with the show after the week one game against Governor Mifflin. So Sunday, September 3rd at 8:30 p.m., we will go live with the Bulldog Hour to recap that Mifflin game and to preview Weeks 2 and 3 at Spring-Ford and versus Central-Dolphin, the first home game of the 2017 season. So, again, that's one of the main reasons to get on Facebook and like the Bulldog Hour and Wilson Bulldogs Football is you can watch and interact with us on the show live in just under a month. Lastly, please support the show. Again, it doesn't have to be monetarily, but like Justin mentioned on Episode 1, We will graciously accept any uh, monetary donations. Uh, If you'd like to sponsor the show or advertise, again, go to BulldogHour.com to get that information. But spreading the word is, is very important. Like the accounts, follow the pages, and like Justin meant last week, share. Share whatever you can, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, share the website, and word of mouth, in the stadium, at work, whatever. If you know someone who's a Wilson fan, a Wilson alumni, whatever... Just make sure you let them know that the Bulldog Hour is back and gets better every year, I hope. Yeah, that's the key. (laughs) (laughs) And we're trying. We're trying our best. But we we appreciate all the support we've gotten from the the team and the fans so far. And we hope that continues as we venture into Season 3. All right, well, enough with business of the show. Let's get down to it. Let's tackle these coach interviews, and I've been hyping it up because I think it's a good one. So we're going to get right into the interview with Wilson head coach, Doug Doms. All right, well, welcome once again to the Bulldog Hour, Coach Doms, and congratulations on a wonderful 2016 season last year, um, highlighted by your ninth straight league title and the program's seventh district title. Uh, Looking back before we look towards 2017, is there an aspect of the team from 2016 Uh, that allowed it to be so successful?
0: I think that we had really good team chemistry. I mean, the kids really liked each other. Uh, They were good friends and all that. And that made a world of difference. You know, I say all the time, if you have good chemistry, the kids are going to play for each other. The kids are going to pull together as a team. And I think that was the difference. I don't know that we were the most talented team in the league or the most talented team in the district, but... Our kids worked hard, and they believed in each other.
2: Did that chemistry, did things gel after a certain point of the season, or was just like a constant buildup throughout?
0: I think it was pretty much a constant build-up throughout the season. I mean, we got better every week, which is really what you want. Um, probably the, the hardest part of the game was we still made some mental errors towards the end that, you know, against Pittsburgh Central Catholic ended up you know, really costing us because we spotted them the first three touchdowns all been mistakes. And when you play teams of that caliber, you can't make those mistakes. But, you know, that part would be the only part that we're going to work a lot harder on this year. You know, thinking of ways not to make those errors. I mean, you're always trying to, but, you know, we're going to work that much harder at it.
2: Other than the chemistry from 2016, is there anything else that you hope the team this year takes from the squad before then?
0: I think the the seniors this year are going to take the leadership roles that the seniors last year took, and uh, it was a very uh, positive lead by example role. And this year, that's going to be really important. You know, we got to find out who the leaders are going to be, how they're going to react to adversity, and are they going to lead their team when the chips are down.
2: Justin Raffoff came up with this question. He couldn't be with me today for this interview, but this is one that I definitely think uh, is an interesting angle because it's a stark contrast to what we asked last year. Um, last year during this interview, we talked about the disappointment from 2015, the holdover and you know how do you adjust the expectations with the 2016 team, what do you talk to them about? We know how that ended. Well, this year's the opposite. We're on the other end of that spectrum. So how do you prepare this group of young men uh, that's tasted success? And earn titles. How do you keep them focused? What's what are you jamming home this year?
0: The big thing is nothing is yours. You got to earn it. You know, 2016 is history. Uh, everybody, you've got a huge target on your back, and we got an awful lot to prove. Uh, and there's a lot of pressure. I mean, we as coaches feel pressure, but you know, them they as kids. I mean, you know, nine straight LL League championships. They want to be the one to lose it. You know, 54 or 53 straight winning years. They don't want to be the one to lose it. Uh, I don't know. What's the win streak at? 64, 64 straight LL wins. They don't want to be the one to lose it. So there's going to be a lot of pressure on them. And if, what, if knock on wood, that would happen, how are you going to respond to that pressure? So that's, you know, that, that's the mark we have with these kids, just drilling into them, hey, that was last year. This is this year. It's a whole new year. We're all zero and zero, and are you going to, you know, make your own mark? Is 2017 going to be a year that everybody remembers?
2: Oh, and how do you uh, address or how do you think that's being handled right now? But, well, you put that out there, I'm sure, over and over and over again, since things started in the winter already, and now as they increase over the summer. Are the, the seniors and the leaders um, taking hold of that?
0: I think the seniors that are returning starters are are starting to grasp the idea. they're learning how to lead and you know, we do a lot of things we're always talking to them about how to lead and things like that They have to learn you know they, they find their way. some of them think you lead somebody by yelling and, and that usually doesn't work you know that's a little thing you know so they're learning how to lead and the, the key then is everybody else is still too worried about trying to learn their spot and, and earn their spot. So hopefully those uh, seniors that played and started for us last year will, uh, will continue to develop leadership
2: roles. Now, you mentioned talking about that, answering that question, the multiple different streaks that are happening with the program. Uh, I, I know the one, and this was talked about when I, when I played uh, with you, uh, when I was here as a player, was the, the winning or non-losing seasons. Is, is that the main streak? as it just kind of evolved into this thing with the games and the yeah. titles and
0: I mean that was always the main streak, and I mean when you think about it, you know, fifty-three straight seasons. This would be fifty-four without a losing record is. Uh, I, I don't know that that happens anywhere. Right. Uh, that's that's phenomenal. I mean that that's a tribute to coaches and players going way back in nineteen sixty-four. Yep. Um, the other streaks, the nine league titles in a row is. Mind-boggling because there were probably three or four years. I think probably five of those nine years we were the best team, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but there was probably four years that, on paper, we weren't the best football team. But our kids just refused to lose. Yep. And our coaching staff did an excellent job repairing them physically and mentally and emotionally. And they went out and won some games that we shouldn't have won. Uh, and then the '64. The League wins in a row is just really mind-boggling because how do you do that? I, I don't know how you do that. I mean, that's like – it's seven-plus years yep. since we've lost a league game. It's I mean, usually you can win a league title if you lose a game here and there. Maybe you share it or you can still yep. win.
2: That's – It's hard know, to fathom. It is, it it, is hard it's to it's fathom. It's tough to think about, especially when I think about it now. I've been back in the area – and I'm uh, working at, at, in the middle school junior high program uh, since 2009. And this streak is older than the time I've been back <laughs> here. And I feel like I've been around for a while now. And that that streak has been going on for that long. Mm, yeah, and not... that, it kind of goes hand in hand with the titles. If you're beating everyone, you're going to keep the title streak yeah. going. But yeah, it's a, it's quite an amazing feat. And it's kind of developed its own stigma of uh, good and bad. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the, the Red Eagle likes to run with it. They like to bring it up, um, which I'm sure... Uh, the, the kids and the fans love, but uh, outside of the Wilson community, I'm sure they're sick and tired oh, of hearing sure. about it.
0: Well, and two years ago, I guess Manheim Central had the lead and records. record yep. for, I think they were like 53 in a row or something like that. Yeah. And so when we finally broke that, I thought, yeah, and now it's just become a beast of its own.
2: Yeah. So when I can't remember now, if this is when we tied it at 53 or broke it to get to 54. It was um, one of the games that I'm remembering is the 2015 at Hempfield. I can't remember if that was to tie it or not. And, and yeah. for a while, it looked like, yeah, oh, struggled. it was going to yeah. come to an end. It's either <laughs> here, we're not going to tie it or we're not going to break right. it. And then uh, Jeff Reiner was at that game saying that he was at the last time that Wilson lost <laughs> that Township. And he was, you know, he, it was kind of insinuated about being a jinx. And the, yeah. But then it kind of turned itself on its head. Obviously, Wilson ended up winning. And then he was like, well, you know. I jinxed the other. <laughs> I jinxed it from ending this time because I'm talking. You know, it's it's just kind of a funny well, way. that Leinard
0: always picked, he I, he always picks the other team to win. So,
2: <laughs> well, I think you'd prefer that to keep happening. Oh, cause. absolutely!
0: I was really upset with him last year because he picked us to beat Cumberland Valley in the district championship game, and I was really upset with him. I said, "What are you doing, Jeff? You, <laughs> you never pick us to win." You know, he laughed and said, "Well, I did this, and then we when we were down 14 nothing at half." You, you're like, thinking.
2: Oh, it was all we'll coming go. true. It was true to all of it. everything that Jeff was saying. You know, the opposite happened. So. Um, so last year was the first year for six classifications across the state. Uh, what about this season? Are there any significant changes? Um, I know the organization is probably not changing itself the way it's, it's organized, but what about are there rule changes, anything that's going to impact the way things are uh, come out during a game or at the yeah. end of the season? <laughs>
0: Not, no, no changes in classification. There is one major rule change, and it has to do with kickoffs. Okay, where um, you on an onside kick now? If you drive the ball into the ground and it takes the big hop and the first big hop, yep, you're allowed to fair catch that. Sort of like it was oh, in really Wow, okay, allowed to do that before. Now, if it takes two or three bounces and goes up. You can't. Fair so if catch you
2: drive it. it hard into the ground and it shoots up immediately, that's the correct. receiving team, the can, receiving fair catch team can fair catch that. Okay. It. So that's, I'm sure that's for safety and protection of sure. the players. And I
0: think I don't know if you remember going back to um, North Allegheny several years ago in the state semifinals yes. when we returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown, yeah, Jesse Four, Jesse Four, and then we just about returned the next punt for a touchdown. They made a shoestring tackle on. Uh, well, Jimmy Brooks,
2: uh, yes. uh,
0: their kicker of the rest of the game kicked on sides. But he was kicking straight down straight. the field, yep. and it would go 10 yards and then bounce up in the air, way up in the air, and we'd be standing there, and they were getting there at the same time the ball was getting there, and we can't fair catch it. Right. Now, that's a that's a play that, you know, you should be allowed to fair catch that in my mind. Because right. there, you're a sitting duck, you're sitting there, and they're running full speed. Yeah, but, almost. You know, in, in college – you can you can fair catch an onside kick whether it hits the ground or not hmm. in the pro. I mean, obviously you can't. Down right, if it's on it. the ground, you're not saying. like, you on the like air above your head, you can fair catch. It. Yeah, and so I think they're moving towards that for the safety reasons.
2: Yeah, yeah, and obviously we've seen that trickle down from the yeah. pro level. Everyone's focused on concussions yeah. and player safety, so that make that makes sense. Sure. Um, so let's talk a little bit about scheduling because with the change of the classifications, that's kind of become an issue last year mainly, though, it trickles over into this two-year cycle that we have here. Um, what role do you play in deciding your non-league opponents? Uh, how do you and, and Director of Athletics, uh, Drew Kaufman, determine the years, what ends up for Wilson being the first three games?
0: Uh, basically, and, and Drew's very good about that, he lets me decide who we want to play and obviously the teams have to be willing to play us. So, you know, um, the thing that's really gotten goofy with the PIAA when they said, okay, you know, we're going to this six classifications and we're going to this, we're going to stop a week earlier at the end of the year, but we're going to allow you to play zero week, which is the week of the second scrimmage. So what has happened is with the exception of District 3, last year, everybody in the state played zero week. District 3 was the only one that didn't. So that meant we had two scrimmages. This year, a whole lot of District Three teams are picking up zero week because next year they have to play zero week, right? Next year they're going to one scrimmage, and then you're going right into the okay. season.
2: I didn't know that that was a, a definitive. So that's a definitive. So even well, Wilson it is the- for our league. Okay. And
0: since it is for the LL, I'm sure. Well, and you say the rest, the rest of the, of the state's is doing it, so yeah, everyone probably okay. The only one that okay. So everyone's
2: there. kind of getting on the same page. Then with Pretty the much. Uh, what would that be the eighteen nineteen cycle of? Right. Uh, of games. Okay. So that kind of answers my next question. Is Wilson going to be playing in week zero in the coming years? um, And then we'll be losing a scrimmage then? So it'll be...
0: Starting next year, we will be playing week zero, which is the week of the second scrimmage. So we'll lose that second scrimmage. This year, our second scrimmage is against Reading. Correct. Right? On uh, Friday night at Albright. Next year, we have to play a zero week. We don't know yet who that's going to be. Yeah. We're negotiating with several teams. Okay. You know, North Penn's interested, Central Dolphins is interested, Harrisburg is interested, Reading might be interested.
2: So, right now, I know you do, you generally deal in two year contracts with teams because you right. don't want to be caught, you know, holding the bag while someone else is leaving you. And, and I guess that kind of happened with the second scrimmage this year. You jostled around with some right. teams right. who ended up playing with zero or had already had a second scrimmage. Ending up with Reading is cool, though. It's nice to have that, that sure. Burks County uh, um, flavor uh, in the scrimmage week. But, um, are there any teams you are contracted with next year or have like an agreement that we're going to play with just figuring out where yeah, the schedule will line everything up? Everything
0: next year is already set. Okay. Uh, with the exception of zero. Oh, zero week. week, you're trying okay. to
2: figure out. So you, you mentioned Central Dolphin possibly being a zero week, so they would move from the current week three to zero. To zero right. The only,
0: the only thing that may change is we we have – we're still going to be playing Mifflin Labor Day weekend.
2: So the regular week one. What the everyone regular knows week, week one. one we'll that's mid Okay.
0: Both of us agreed, you know, everybody's home, great for the crowd. Sure, absolutely. A great time to play. Um <clears throat> our question is do we play we don't have the contract yet, but do we play Spring Ford week two or do we play Central Dolphin week two? Okay. So it'll be one of those two teams.
2: So Springford and Central Dolphin are staying no matter what?
0: They are staying.
2: Okay, so you're just trying to find uh, a week zero team. Then? No, Spring
0: Ford and Central. Dublin.
2: One of them stays. One of them will stay. We'll stay okay, in okay. what
0: we call week. Right. Two. Week three is Manhattan Central because the LL rearranged, yeah. realigned. Yeah, that was. I don't uh... know why they did that. And they had they had, a, <laughs> they had eight eight and eight, and now they went to seven seven and ten.
2: Yep. Um,
0: And, you know, it made a mess of the schedules.
2: Yeah. So, actually, we'll jump to that. We'll come back talking a little bit more about Week Zero. But you brought it up, and I wanted to touch on it. I know this is now a year ahead of things, but it's been out there. And I know in January when this kind of blindsided people, everyone was talking. And I promised that I would ask about it and just to get your take on it. So, um so, they're dropping two schools, uh, Lebanon and Effort, are dropping from one and two to three. Um, so, they have a huge league in section three. Right, 10 teams. Ten teams. So, I guess they'll, nine games in and one non league game, yep. I guess, is the, the thing. And then sections one and two are going to cross over. Correct. And you were graciously assigned Manheim Central, obviously, right. the, probably next to Wilson, the biggest team in, uh, in the Lancaster Lebanon across all the sections. Uh, were you aware of this announcement before it came out in january no you just no no memos nothing nothing. came across kind of sprung out on us yeah they decided that
0: lebanon was struggling and Ephraim was struggling so the best thing to do is move them to section three and make them better it's like okay maybe their competition's not as tough but that doesn't make a team better necessarily
2: sure Um, well, the, the last time the Bulldogs played the Barons was way back in Week Two, um, 2011. That game was actually moved to a Monday because of all the torrential rain. Um, your team won 27 to 13 and um, wouldn't lose again actually until the District Three Championship in a really uh, tough game against Central Dolphin who went on to win the state title that year. When you think of the Manheim Central program, what comes to mind? And are you excited to see them again?
0: Well, you know, we back in 2012 when they dropped us. Yeah. Right, you know, Mike Williams is a you know is a good friend of mine. Said you know they felt they could play with us each year, mm-hmm. but the problem they had was we were so physical that they might lose a couple of players for the next couple of games, and they didn't have the depth to sure. able to do that, which is why they dropped us. And I understood that, but they don't want to play us now for the same reason. So they're going to play us week four. Well, it's actually week three, but okay, you know, right. maybe they'll do away with the zero yeah. week or Now that becomes again. the actual yeah. week one again, so right. Midland's but, week two, know. yeah. Uh, but they're going to play us the fourth game, and then the next game they go right into the league. So they're right into that scenario of, do they really want to play us? I mean, at least before they were week two and they had a, a, a down game before they came into the league. Now they're going to be going right into the league yeah. after playing us. <laughs> so... You know, and they they haven't changed. I mean, Mike stepped down as head coach, but he's still there coaching. Right. So you know they're going to be the same program. It'll be it'll, it'll be an exciting game. It just gives us one heck of a
2: non-league schedule. Yeah, game yeah, really. Yeah. No no breathers. And for the last number of years, we've said how strong the non-league slate has oh, been, yeah. and now that we're expanding that to four games, and that fourth game is Manhattan Central. There's there's no breaks in there. Yeah. Uh, but that's probably the way you want it, though. You want to see how you stack right. up. I mean, other than the physicality, do, and the but potential the for physicality injuries.
0: Physicality is sure. the part. Now we're going to a fourth physical game before we start the league. You know, and no matter how you look at it, you know that means you got to be very sparing with your players. And sure. You can't give your running backs a lot of carries. You can't, you know, because they're going to take a beating.
2: Now let's. We'll come back to this year now. We'll talk about the week zero and the issues that you you are presented by not playing that with the other teams. You know, you talked about Mifflin are the normal week one, you play Mifflin, but they in week zero play West York. They got a game under their belt. Then the next week, week two, Springford will have already played Unionville and another game before you. And uh, then Central Dolphin, they actually don't have an extra game, but they got a bye week (laughs) coming in to your game. Although they'll they'll already played a game as well. So all three are playing in week zero. How do you feel about that? You touched a little bit on it last year, but now that all of the teams you're playing will have either rest or an extra game, how does that change things from you know, your perspective? If
0: you start with Mifflin, you know, the thing about it, early, later in the year, it doesn't matter. Sure. Early in the year, the hardest thing to do is, number one, get your get your kids battle tested you know, on offense and defense. And even bigger than that is your special teams because you can't do special teams live. it's just too dangerous to do a lot in practice. And you don't have enough players that you can put against each other. So, you know, by, you know, Governor Mifflin getting that week one game and we're week two, that gives them the edge of their special teams are going to be, they're going to replace some people, you know, have played them, you know, battle-hardened. It gives them an edge. It gives them an edge on all three aspects, offense, defense, and special teams. It really gives them the edge on special teams. Now, on the other hand, for us, we will get to see them, you know, scout them in a full game where they're going to scout us in a scrimmage. And so they're not going to see our special teams, teams. you know. Uh, So, you know, that gives us a little bit of an edge. But I I still think the the game under your belt for all those kids that didn't start last year. You know, all those, those huge mistakes you make in the first game, the second game.
2: You yeah, know. They get all the kinks out and all the nerves in that sure. game. And then now you got a Mifflin team coming where your guys are feeling that, but they've Absolutely. already done that.
0: And then spring forward, same thing. Yep. Well, when they get two games, you yeah. only get the one. So now they're really starting to polish. And both of those games are on, on the, A. On the road, Yeah. So <laughs> it really, you know, puts us at a bit of a disadvantage. <laughs> now, Central cool. Dolphin, I actually think... With the exception of the fact that they can recover if they're having health issues, usually you're not too beat up by week three. That's almost a disadvantage. I would think how a buy
2: that early. Tough to keep everyone concentrated and focused right. on the on what's at hand. So
0: I don't I don't know that they're gaining anything by that. Okay. You know, I think they just so it's going to township wanted to go to week zero, and so you know, they probably moved to week zero to accommodate. Them.
2: What does being an associate member of the Lancaster levin League mean? We're kind of jumping back to the Manneim Central crossover thing that was kind of uh, unleashed on everyone in January. Um, what are the restrictions and disadvantages the program faces because of it?
0: The only thing that happens when you're associate members, you don't have a vote. So when the league is voting to move two teams down, you know the athletic director is your representative. Correct. All right. So when the league... You know, when all the league athletic directors are voting what to do with the league setup and everything, you know, they all have a vote and we don't. So, I guess in close votes it makes a big difference. We still have, we still can talk. We can still, you know, express our opinions and everything, but we don't have any
2: voting rights. In the end, you, Drew's kind of neutered in that respect. That he can't. Yeah. Like he he, can he's there, he you can put an input, he can pass along things that you've brought up, and you can talk to them. Yeah. But in the end, they can just ignore anything sure. that's said. we the black sheep. We're well, nice. yes. Yeah. It's been yeah. like that for four decades. We, we've
0: been the only Burke's team in the league since Mifflin dropped out. Right? They were, Redding was the
2: last one. Uh, well, yeah. One I'm trying out. to think which was the last one. Yeah. I think yeah. Redding was the last Wolverham one. was the
0: first one to drop out, then Mifflin,
2: then Redding. So,
0: yeah. I mean, at one point in time, there was four teams of the eight in right. Section 1 were Berks,
2: we're, we're teams. Berks teams. Sure.
0: You know, now it's just us and the fact that we win most, of them, have won most of the titles oh. doesn't, yeah. Make them like us very much.
2: No, not so <laughs> much. Uh, back to Burks. <laughs> well, I've heard people, and this is all fans, community, here and, and outside, talking about Wilson changing leagues. Is that ever on the table? Is that ever a thought that Wilson's going to leave the LL? Well, I
0: think that the they defer most of those decisions to the head coach. Okay. And as long as I'm the head coach, we aren't
2: leaving. Okay. But yeah. that's I, black we, and white. <laughs>
0: we very much enjoy the competition there. Um, you know, in Burks County there's always a couple good teams, but I think there's but then what happens after you get through one or two, then you start moving down to the plane you're playing the five A's and the four A's and the three A's and now it starts really hurting in the playoffs and things like that. Right.
2: right. So. LL section one offers you six A schools right. or a couple five A, which doesn't impact right. your power rating system all that all that much. So
0: we have no intention of going back. Get to ask that question. all
2: yeah, well, I yeah, I've I've never actually heard you you say it. I, I've heard rumors about it, and we have I hear people all the time, and you know, message board folk are they're an interesting group of people. But there's they always have someone in the know, right. and then Wilson's <laughs> leaving this, going to this, and I'm just like, I've never heard so. that <laughs> Figure ask the source, you know, that's probably the best place to go for information. All right, so looking to this year, are there any key newcomers you expect to have a big impact on 2017? For us.
0: Yeah. More players yep um Sean McAndrews is back out even after a year off and I think he could play an important part okay. you know offense defense special teams we're not sure where yet but you know he's a he's a big guy you know he's you know he's six two and you know he's pretty you know, he's pretty fast so you know, he's, he's gonna play and have some impact um, obviously you know Connor's back we should be fine there uh, He's back. We should be fine there. Abdul's a year older, so he'll get more carries this year in the running back spot. Uh, Nate Keller's going to play a lot more. I mean, he started two or three games for us last year as a freshman right. on the With, offensive when line. When was injured, yeah. You know, which is, like, unheard of. So he's going to have to play, step up and play a big role. Sure. Uh, and then, obviously, a bunch of juniors that are stepping up to be seniors. Trevor think, you know, one of them, um, uh, you know, Nick Drake. You know, those guys, I mean, that's the typical Wilson way.
2: Yep. It's
0: your turn to play. You're a senior. Now let's do it. Let's perform.
2: And you mentioned Connor and Iggy back. What what kind of stability does that give to the team to have a returning starter at quarterback and running back?
0: Well, it's nice. I mean, from a running back standpoint, let's face it. Everybody's going to pack the box. We're going to see seven in the box and eight in the box a lot, which then you have a starting quarterback back, which is good. But I mean, we lost 4-D-1 receivers last year. So... Now it's going to be up to our receivers to pick up and, you know, to step up. Now, Connor had a great year, but he also had that talent to throw to. Now this year, the talent may be uh, not quite as good, but, you know, or not quite as proven. So they're going to have to get open, and that, you know, they'll pack the box, so we're going to have to do a lot more RPO stuff, you know, run pass option stuff. Uh, if they want to pack the box, that will open up the throwing game. If they want to open up, then we're going to pound the, pound the rock up inside. But we expect everybody to.
2: Stop it, try Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we've seen what he was able to do in the second half of the season. Sure. Um, Once
0: he got a handle on our offense. Yeah, I so mean, he ended, ended up standing his own
2: over 1,600 yards. And I know um, uh, Drago just mentioned in his 10 things to watch that he's uh, about 12 or 1,300 yards shy right. of a Burt's rushing record. I talked to him yesterday and a bunch of the other senior players, and uh, he doesn't seem to have any focus on that. That means nothing to him. There's much bigger things out there, and it's, it's good to have – I mean, they, they, they said the right thing. So right. that's what they're right. thinking. You know, uh, they, you know, they, they I, seem to I, be I honest, think, yeah. though. So. In
0: the back of their mind, it's always so hard to do this, but they understand that the way we coach, the way we drive everything through, it's all about the team. If it happens, it happened because, you know, he's not going to carry the ball any more than he would have carried the ball if he wasn't going for right. the record. You know, there's going to be opportunities, and, you know, hopefully he gets a couple big runs in there, a little stack of yards up, because he's not going to carry it, especially early on. You
1: right.
0: Know? You know, we play the game like we're going to play 13, 14, 15 games every year that means you got to have a back you can't give the back 30, 35 carries if he's going to play you know 15 games right. that's 450 carries in a season get worn down at our, at our level we get beat up yeah. so well, you know, and- hopefully you'll get those 10 or 15 touches in the early games and
2: that's it. And make something happen with it. But We saw that team first on display in the playoffs last year where everyone wanted him to keep getting the ball because sure. he had six touchdowns and he was going yeah. to, to tire break a record held by a, you know an NFL pro. Um, but if you're thinking about injuries and wear and tear and you shut him down.
0: Hey, we get a lead. Those starters are coming out. That's me. right. Number one, because we don't want them to get hurt. Number two, because those guys behind him are busting their butt all week long. They want to play and we got to have them ready if
2: somebody gets hurt so yeah you brought up the wide receivers and i'm going to talk about to coach o in a few days about uh restocking his his group there uh so let, let's go to the other side of the ball and let's talk about your defense and primarily in the secondary um you know in addition to graduations of um, tommy o'brien mason mcelroy justin weller um and and the injury that joey fox sustained he won't be ready to go at least at the start of the season uh what what's been done to address the changes uh, uh, this season, um, and who are the guys that Coach Naples will rely on back there?
0: Well, as I said, you know Isaiah Gilmore played quite a bit last year. It was a really good cover corner for us. Uh, has gained about ten or fifteen pounds, so we're moving in. He's going to get moved into a safety, and he'll probably be most of the play call. With the absence of Joey, we don't have another safety. Didn't have another safety with any experience, but uh, Isaiah's been doing a nice job. You know, picking it up. He's just got to get some game hardening and he's got to get better at reading keys and that kind of stuff. Trevor Tango's probably going to be at the one corner. Uh, played some last year. He's a little bit bigger this year. That's his senior year, so he's a little more invested. Uh, Sean McAndrews and Angel Martinez are probably going to man the other corner. Wait and see. You know, they both have speed. Uh, Sean's a little bit taller, but, you know, he missed a year. So, you know, he's got to pick up and nuances of the game. And then our second safety is still up for grabs. There's uh, several kids we're looking at. Uh, Magalotti, Cameron Magalotti is one of them. We moved him back from from the road, from an outside linebacker position. Now he may still move back to the outside linebacker, or may have the freedom to move him up and back. He's in the hunt. Uh, Matt Fry has been battling for the spot. Uh, So I think eventually we're going to be pretty decent there. We just
2: got to survive those early games. It takes time.
0: To get, you
2: know, with, ready to With Springfield looming yeah. in that second game for you. <laughs> oh, yeah. A well, uh, lot. Yeah, yeah we, we saw how yeah. things were thrown around last year and yeah. the points put on the board. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. Uh, learning by fire.
0: Yeah, uh, for sure. That so that was a
2: nice mixture of. Um, Few upperclassmen and then some younger guys, so it's nice to know that for the future these guys are getting experience this year uh, for years to come. Especially Matt Fry, he's only a sophomore right. this year, and then you have a few juniors back there. Um, just a few more questions here, Coach. Um, what's your opinion on the in-season transfers that seem to be all the rage last year? Do you have any comments on that, or how that you think they should be handled?
0: I don't know what the PIW was doing there because normally that's like a big red flag of shoot, you're done, but. There was three really high-profile teams in the middle of the season that pretty much... I mean, Harrisburg had a nice team, and they really got a nice team with the addition... They just
2: fall to the state finals.
0: Two of them. Uh, You know, hey, in in my mind, if a kid wants to go to another school, you know, let them go. I mean, we deal with the charter schools where they come from all over all the time anyway. Right. But... So the PLAA, you know, says they can do whatever they want, but if you're in a public school, oh, no, no, you can't do that. So maybe they're, maybe they're easing up. I don't know.
2: <laughs> well, segues have been on point because my next question was about, I don't know if you saw, I posted it on this social accounts, that um, Max Preps put Wilson as the 14th most dominant PA high school program since 2006, which is the year that you took over the program. Um, but it was noticed by many uh, that a majority of the top 15 happened to be non-boundary schools. Why does the PIAA resist separating the boundary and non boundary schools when it comes to playoffs? Like, what, what is their hesitance there? Is it all about l- litigation?
0: I I think I mean I I don't know. I know that I hear that way back when they PIAA brought the Philadelphia public schools in, and they were trying to bring the parochial schools in and the charter schools in that somebody's. And I don't know this for a fact, but somebody said there was a uh, Pennsylvania legislature had to pass some separation of church and state thing to allow it to happen. All right. And from what people have said, they said they'd have to refute, they'd have to get rid of that. So there's actually a legal issue that says they're allowed. To me, it would make a lot more sense to have four public schools and two private school sections and just go. But you know what? That's not going to happen. The PIA is not going to do that. They said right out it's dead. It's a, it's a dead issue. So, hey, you know, we just have to take on the challenge. And it just means that when you get to that semifinal, state semifinal, yeah, state West, final, West you have to play good, smart football. You
2: know? Yeah. And you have to happen to have
0: a team that's. Pretty
2: stacked. Yeah, it, it's right. tough, and this isn't just a Wilson perspective. This is a D three perspective in general. It's just tough when you get to the West final. You've got to beat someone like Pittsburgh Central Catholic, right. and then if you do that, you usually have to play then someone like St. Joe's St. Prep. Joe's or LaSalle, it's sure. tough to take down both of those. Yeah, it's Lasalle oh, yeah. College High School uh, to beat those in back to back weeks uh, yeah. at the be. end of the season. Especially, that would be,
0: you know, then you got to hope you're healthy, right? What you're going to face against them is like last year Pittsburgh Central Catholic. Every one of their offensive line was a Division One recruit. Right. So you're not facing little guys. You know, you're facing 250, 300 pound linemen. You're facing 230, 240 pound linebackers. 210, 220 pound backs. You know, you're gonna have a physical game, and then you got to be able to recover.
2: And that's not to discount the other schools in District Seven. Obviously, North Allegheny, you've no. seen firsthand. Uh, Pine Richland also boundary school and, and out in our half of the state despite not playing in that part uh, when we get to the semis North Penn parkland so there's sure. very good boundary schools out there all of which we made that max preps list it's just tough when when people are seeing nine of the top 15 don't play exactly by the same rules as everyone else well what has really
0: happened is in, they have been there in basketball for years but in the last couple of years since they really started pushing their football programs, and now they're, you know, Archbishop Wood, uh, LaSalle, St. Joe's, Pittsburgh Central Catholic. Their programs are up, and now the kids are flocking to those programs. You know. And their scholarship
2: programs, some of them, too. So, you know, Tough. something
0: like, you know.
2: All right. So, as head coach, uh, your teams have earned 129 wins, which ties for you for second in Wilson history with uh, Jerry Slemmer. Uh, you're 22 shy of tying Coach Gerski's mark of 151. Uh, do you have the jive and energy to stay with the program to eclipse 150 and become the wins leader? Is that something that you're – I know you probably don't look at the stats, but in terms of longevity, is that something you think uh, you're interested in doing a few more years?
0: It's That's stuff that people talk to me about. People say you got to do this. As far as I'm concerned, you know, the kids – you know, as, as, as long as I'm enjoying it, as long as I'm being successful at it, uh, as long as the kids are enjoying it and the kids are being successful, that's what's most important to me. I mean, the wins, as I, I tell them all the time, you take care of all the little stuff and the wins will take care of themselves. So, I uh, you know, my wife would probably love that, <laughs> love to see that. You know, I'm sure I have some friends that would love to see that. But me personally, you know, it's sorry. No problem. I guess it would be a feather in my cap, but I, I don't compare myself to John Gersky. I mean, John Gersky took a program that was non-existent and put it on the map. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Jerry Slemmer continued with that. You know, Jim Cantafio continued with that. And I just, you know, just try to keep you know the, the tradition going. I mean, I, I think... And I say this all the time, although my assistant coaches bust me about it all the time. I say, it's not me, it's the staff. And the time and the effort they put in. And then the kids buy in because our staff puts all the time and effort in. I'm just, you know, I don't know, the leader of the ship or whatever. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's, it's because of the Jeff Brubakers and the Jeremy Palms and the Ernie Walters and the Paul Bells and, 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 and the rest of the staff that we are where we are. So,
2: well, you're, I mean, you're sitting at, overall, in terms of the entire time you've been with Wilson as head and assistant, you're at 393 wins, so, you know, things go well this year and they, they go the way they have. Since you've taken over, winning 10, 10 uh, or more games every year except for one, odds are in your favor to get to 400 this year, and that'd be quite quite the milestone to have that many wins at a program.
0: Yeah, I guess if you're at a program, <laughs> well, you have to be wrong, but, you know, you are <laughs> success,
2: you know, but, you yeah, I guess, you know, 400, well... Yeah, That's a lot of, yeah, a it's yeah that is a lot. That's a lot of wins. That a lot of coaches will never see that number to have that many. Some won't even coach that many games long right. long to get to that many wins. Right. So it's definitely something special. The last thing that you mentioned the coaches um, and how how helpful they've been to you over the years. Are there any coaching staff changes this year? Anyone new?
0: Uh, no, the staff's pretty much intact. Uh, Kyle Klein, who was one of our volunteer assistants on the defensive line, has stepped down because his daughters are now. Actively involved in a lot of youth sports. A lot of other things going on. And for that. So he's, you know, between that
2: and his work schedule. But other than that, it's... Uh, status quo. Status quo, yeah. Well, it seemed to work out. So I think that's probably probably a good thing for everyone to hear. So that's all I got for you this year. I thank you for taking the time to answer my questions. And look forward to covering the team this year and talking to you after some wins on Friday nights. Hopefully we can be successful. Right. Thanks, Coach. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Alright, so you got to hear from Coach Doms on Episode 2 of the Bulldog Hour. I think that was a, a good interview. What do you think about that, Justin?
3: I agree. Uh, we're always fans of, big fans of Coach Doms, and uh, I thank him for giving us some of his time uh, during the preseason so that we could uh, get some insight into what he's thinking about as we move into the season.
2: Yeah, so we display our love, loyalty, and emotions on our sleeve, or uh, I guess sometimes on our face. Yeah, we're big fans. Be it as that may but we have other coaches to talk to including defensive coordinator Ernie Wolber and wide receivers coach Joe Opalonic so enjoy hearing from some of the bulldogs assistants all right well defensive coordinator Ernie Wolber is joining me now on the second episode of the third season of the Bulldog Hour so welcome back to the show coach how, how was the off season
1: it was good. Uh, still stung a little bit losing the you know losing like we did in the state semifinal. Um, so we did some different things defensively, trying to evolve, trying to become better. But it was a nice off season. Is there much of an off season? Well, ask my wife and she says no. <laughs> but um, I consider it off season. I mean, we do the plyometrics all you know January, February, and then we got lifting and every morning. So it's kind of they're not playing football, but we're around them. So really, there's no down off season away from the kids.
2: So, like in 2016, the beginning of the 2017 schedule has some significant challenges. Uh, The biggest difference this season, though, is that every opponent either has an extra game or has a bye week before playing you. Is there any significant defensive pro or con to having uh, one less game or another team having a bye week beforehand? What are the first three weeks posed to you as a defensive coordinator?
1: Um... It, it, for us. I mean, it, it's always an advantage a team playing a, a game before us because they get the game speed, game tempo, things like that. Um, on the other hand, a lot of times the film was hard to see Mifflin's film, um, so the scrimmages were hard to detect. They ran, you know, they ran their offense, and it was hard to really see a lot of things. But now we could at least see some numbers, know who's playing where, um, and hopefully pick up some better film out of the game than we would the um, scrimmage. Uh, once you get into second week, spring forward, two games under the belt now you know yeah they only have one of our films but we have two of theirs um, but again game speed you can't simulate game speed in practice so that's the hardest part and then Central Dolphin have a bye before us as a coach I'm like either way like that bye early in the year when you just just things rolling might not be good mm-hmm. but if you're a little banged up it could help but do you know, the kids have focus that week so I don't know if it's a real good thing at that point um, either way we're fighting an uphill battle I mean we're playing like you said everybody's playing a week before us and have two games under their belt and then you know then we have a bye week with Central Dolphin so it's going to be hard.
2: Yeah, Coach Dom said that he thought the buy for Central Dolphin actually more of a hindrance to them than it is uh, help. Like kind of like you mentioned, it's sometimes tough to keep kids focused and on top. And when you're doing the same thing, preparations for Wilson for two weeks, you know sometimes kids get bored and they zone out. Absolutely. Um, but you did mention, and Coach Dom said the same thing. If they get beat up in the first two weeks. They have some time to heal exactly so yeah, pros and cons to all that but next year we know that uh wilson will be on the same playing field as everyone else yes. playing week zero so i guess that, that would be actually week one then we don't need to worry yeah, about this entire, week zero, so nonsense. zero it's, it's right. ridiculous yeah well it's actually i feel like wilson and teams like wilson that haven't gone to it for this two year cycle have been using week zero and everyone else just calls
1: it Week one and it gets so confusing absolutely people say like are you playing mifflin week one next year no we're playing in week two why are they moving back no, no, it's the way the schedule. Yeah. I, so I tell everybody, we play Mifflin Labor Day weekend. No matter if it's one, two, three, I don't care. We play Mifflin Labor Day weekend. That's when
2: we play them. I asked Coach Doms about how scheduling works, how he does it with um, uh, Athletic Director Kaufman. Does Coach Doms come to the assistant coaches and talk about the potential opponents on the
1: schedule? All the time. We, we evaluate. He uh, usually sends that. starting the school year will send out emails. It's certain this time of year we talk about it. Um, he very rarely will say yes or no to a team. Um, unless it's a, it's, it's in a tight crunch where he has to make a decision, it always man. come down and ask us, what do you think? Who do you do? want to play these guys? Not play these guys? What do you think of this schedule? Things like that. So he usually checks with us. Uh, coach Donovan mentioned uh, one possibility being North Penn, maybe in week,
2: what would have been week zero. Now the real week mm-hmm. one for you in 2018 uh, it, is that one that
1: stood out to you as a, that'd be great to have him on the schedule. Well, uh, getting into next year, I mean, you got Mifflin Labor Day weekend, followed by uh, Spring Ford, followed by Manhattan Central. Right. So you got three tough games. Now you throw in the monster of North Penn. <laughs> right. Now you got four brutal non-league games until you get into League Six. Now, how healthy we can come out at? That. That's a daunting task. I mean, would we do it? Absolutely. You know, we'd play anybody. Um, I would choose not to, <laughs> just for safety reasons, and keep us a little better. Um, but uh, I guess we're still trying to figure out some teams to play for that. So. Yeah. We'll see how it turns out. Yeah, I
2: hate, I hate to ask questions about a year from now as we're focusing on the 2017 season, but a lot of the stuff that I've heard on Facebook and Twitter, people are talking about the scheduling because of how stuff has jostled last year, this year, and then into next year with the LL throwing that wrench yes. into the system in January.
1: It's so many things. POW made the change. I understand the necessity for the change. But they, I wish it would have let the dust settle a little bit. Like everybody's still in their own thing. Next year, finally, it's to it. If everybody's on the same page, right? But here's two years now, just all over the place with contracts being broken mm-hmm. and scrimmages trying to be rescheduled and just craziness, mayhem. I understand why they did it, but I wish you would have waited, let everybody get the contract yeah. settled, and then move on.
2: It would have been. All right, so 2016, we're going to sixth classification, or we're adopting six classifications. It'll start in 2018. Yes, okay, something like that. It would have been like a two
1: year It would have been a much easier transition because teams are scrambling. We had, like, we had IMITEP scheduled for scrimmage. Yep. Everything was set to go, and then they yep. called us and said, no, we're not going to scrimmage. Now we picked up a game. Yep. Because they need... They only had seven games scheduled at the time. So they picked up Harrisburg to play in a potential ESPN game or whatever. That's but, what I'm hearing, yeah. Yeah, so it's... And that was just six weeks ago. We just got our scrimmage officially for second week, I think two weeks ago. It is nice
2: for it to be Reading, though, to yes. have the Burke County connection. A, yes. And obviously, the coaching staffs know each other very well. Exactly. And uh, I, I think it gives the opportunity for. Fans to see another game, even yes. if it is just a scrimmage. Going to Albright and seeing Redding Wilson play and you know, it brings yeah. out a lot of good Absolutely. memories. and you
1: you play half a football. I mean, under, yep. you're not you're not doing kicking off and kick return, but your punt, your punt return, everything. It's a full game for half of a game, so it's kind of watching a game played. So it's and that's nice for for school wise for um, for financial um, school ability. You know, they, they're limited financially to do scrimmages, so it's nice to travel for ten minutes. Yeah, local exactly.
2: So last year, uh, Springford
1: uh, are what.
2: Week two opponent, their week three, uh, they put up forty points against Wilson in, in week two last year. Uh, it was the most points surrendered by a Wilson defense in the regular season with Coach Doms as head coach, and you took over as defensive coordinator the same year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was way back before all that in October of two thousand five when an opponent scored forty or more against the Bulldogs in the regular season. That was hemfield right? Hey, it was. Yeah, I remember? Um, was fifty-six. Yeah, uh, they hammered us down there. Yeah, it was a. Uh, yeah, it was down at Hempfield. So, how did you feel? and now going back to the Springfield. How did you feel after that game? It was a win, so I know you'll take it. Um, but h- how did you adapt the rest of the way? Did Springfield show something that you knew there was a, a weakness or a deficiency in, in in the defense that you could adapt to or adjust?
1: Um, they scored 20 in regulation. I want to clarify that. True. Yeah, you're so, right. It wasn't an yes, overtime game exactly, which is they scored both possessions overtime, which wasn't I wasn't too happy about. But um, <laughs> but no, it was, it's a situation where they came out. They had a lot of talent. Um, a lot of ability, and Chad being their coach has some knows, has some knowledge of our defense, and he tried to take advantage of – he tries to put his best players on our worst player, if you will, and got some matchups, and we blew some assignments early in the year. Again, their third game, our second. Going against Mifflin, Mifflin's a whole different animal, as we know, offensively. So, you know, we try to prepare for that spread stuff, but you play Mifflin, a slow, methodical, run the ball at you. Yeah. Now, of a sudden, opening play, they come out in empty sets and shifts and do all kinds yeah. of stuff. And Stark
2: contrast. We
1: practiced. But, again, practicing is not game. And you get into bright lights, you know, and all of a sudden, a little bit of that first drive, they went down and scored. I mean, it was it was nuts. We were down 14 nothing in that game, actually. But our kids calmed down, settled down, and came back and played okay. So we gave a 14 in the first quarter, and then we gave a 14 for three quarters and a 14 in overtime. So it wasn't as happy about it. No. Changes, uh, it was just basically settling down. It was just because they had good receivers, good running back, good quarterback, and they were throwing all over the place and running all over the place, and we couldn't adjust. And it was kind of our kids were just a little overwhelmed. And once they calmed down, we did pretty well.
2: Yeah. And you answered my my, my follow-up to that was asking about if uh, Chad Brubaker had, you know, have the familiarity with the system that has to have
1: some kind of advantage. You can only change so much. Exactly. You don't want
2: to get away from your philosophy. Yes. You've got to make some adjustments. Absolutely.
1: But- and he, he, I mean, does he know everything in and out? No, but he understands what we try to do and what our, what our philosophies are. And part of that, you know, understanding that is going to help him. Did he, and he was very multiple. Um, he did some things that you know quickly, quick, quick um, personnel changes. Um, went some no huddle stuff, which we prepared for, but again, we couldn't get a practice that speed, that tempo. Sure, you know, so it was hard. So we, you know, we had to adjust a little bit and just calm down and settle down.
2: How, how do you like the high school overtime rule? Does that you feel it really puts the defenses where they're back against the wall, being back close I, to the end
1: zone? I'd like to see it like you know, like the college play at twenty five. I'd like yes. to see us at maybe the fifteen to have to okay. have to get a first down. Mm-hmm. Um, to change it a little bit that way just because it, I don't know if it's going to make it longer over time, less over time. I guess they're trying to keep it safe for the kids. But a 10-yard, I mean, you come up with a broken play, it's a, t- it's a touchdown. You know, you get a 15-yard, on five more yards, but you have some more things to do. Plus, you can get it first down. True. You can do some other things. So I wish they would extend it out a little bit, but I don't think they're going to do that. Well, yeah, you mentioned how the points exploded
2: in that game. I mean, they always like, do mention overtime. You mentioned, you know, giving up 20 points in, in – in, um, the first four quarters and then the multiple in, in the overtime, yep. because you're basically giving points away. It's yes. the defense has to make a stop because the offense is going to keep putting them up. And we saw it just a year ago it would have been just, you know, not even a year removed that district championship between Cumberland Valley and Central Dolphin seven or eight
1: overtimes. Exactly. And a whole score touchdowns every time.
2: Yeah. And so we had a game in what the fifties or sixties. Absolutely. When regulation
1: was what seven seventeen? Uh, yeah, It
2: was like low, like high teens are low. 20s yeah, exactly. Or it's like the final that. score. Yeah. Yeah. It's so crazy. Um, so let's look at uh, the team this year as a whole, and obviously it happens every year, the impact of uh, significant contributors moving on to graduation. Um, but it seems to be maybe magnified a lot this year because I, if I am calculated it right, every single defensive starter from 2016 uh, that graduate is now playing college football. Yes. Uh, O'Brien, Weller, McElroy, Wright, uh, Jalot, Twyford, Quigley, and Regal. Did yes. I miss anyone? Did I get them? Em. Okay. They're all playing college ball. Um, so that leaves you with three, maybe four returning contributors. Uh, will the new defensive squad need new wrinkles and scheme to account for the change in, in talent? Or is it just expected that the 2017 seniors and underclassmen will just have to
1: step up? Um, it'll be a little bit of both. Okay. Uh, we try to, as a staff, we try to make the defense, we try to adapt to our, our personnel. for real fast. And smaller, we'll do a lot of stunning, and a lot of moving. Um, if we have a little bigger up front, sometimes we won't do as much stunning. We'll stay more, you know, focus on our base defense. Um, but right now, we're not sure how it's going to go yet. I mean, right now, we're looking at going in with our regular stuff and then see what happens. I mean, we're looking for starters right now. Our defensive line is kind of set almost. Okay. Um, but an inside linebacker, we're kind of set. But in the secondary and outside linebackers, is still wide open. Um, So we got to find out who's going to play where. Is it we're going to give run support from safety or is it not going to be a great run support guy? So we're trying to find out our strengths and weaknesses right now and then try to make our game plan according to that. Um, I do think we're athletic, very athletic um, on the back end, but we got to put the right people. Coach Garcia's always said the toughest job is put the right people in the right positions. And, you know, we don't know if we have the people at the right position right now. So we're trying to work that out.
2: Well, you talked about there's going to be some new starters uh, at outside linebacker and in the secondary, inside linebacker, defensive line, pretty much there, uh, some returners in those areas. But looking at the outside linebackers in the secondary, is there one or two of the new starters or ones that you think will be big contributors that you're really excited about to see what they can do on Friday night? Um,
1: Starting in the in- secondary, uh, Isaiah Gilmore played corner for us the end of the year last year uh, we moved into safety. Um, and he's done some really neat stints, really nice thing, really neat things for us. He's uh, very athletic. I think he'll end up becoming our safety. Um, but that's a big transition from corner safety, a lot more responsibility as far as making calls defensively for us. But he's exciting to watch. Um, corner, we have Tango who played last year for us quite a bit. He played some safety, some corner. I assume he'll probably take one of the corner spots um, just because he's a senior. He's a strong kid. He's, I mean, finished placed in states in the hurdles. I mean, he's a fast athletic kid. Um, the other corner, uh, Sean McAndrews came back to the team this year. If the year didn't play, he could be a possibility. Um, Angel Martinez could be a possibility. Um, Cookie could be um, these nicknames. Cookie could be a possibility of corner. Um, there's a lot of kids vying for that spot. Um, outside linebacker right now, um, he might have to play some defense. Um, and then we have Justin. Well, I'm sorry, not Justin. Um, Andrew Weller, who played last year, some outside linebacker. But then we have Plath, Hunter, Regal. We have uh, Chris Roberson. We have um, some young kids, some tenth graders, possibility maybe playing there. Jake Jaquan Souther, junior, coming back, maybe could play there. So right now, if we played a game tomorrow, I could not say. I could tell you could start every position except the outside linebacker. If we had a game tomorrow, I would have no idea who would start. And coincidentally, that's
2: your position. coach I know. So a lot of pressure's on me. Doms <laughs> keeps telling me, "Don't worry." <laughs> He's letting me know that. Yeah. Um, so, you, well, you mentioned uh, uh, Iggy possibly seeing time at outside linebacker. Um, will there be an opportunity for Jurg to see any time at defense, or has that been scrapped?
1: That's pretty much. Maybe, and if we do a third, three safety look, and okay. you know nobody else steps up. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't want it to happen, but obviously, what's best for the team is what's best for the team. Um, we hope somebody else, Connor, could be a really good defender for us. We know that. Everybody knows that. But hopefully one of the other guys steps up and actually can do what Connor can do defensively, a safety, like sometimes against throwing teams and, you know, definite pass situation. We'll play three safeties. Hopefully one of the younger guys steps up and takes it away from Connor. So right now he's kind of our emergency guy. Okay. He still gets reps defensively, still does drills. Sure. But don't get him in tackling drills and get him in all that yeah. stuff. But he's still fresh in his mind, so he has a clue to do if we need him.
2: That Leadership comes in a bunch of different ways. And on defense, generally, an inside linebacker and a safety are kind of the guys calling the plays, calling the shots, adjusting people. Uh, Do you expect one of uh, those positional guys to be the vocal defensive leader? Or is there someone else that's stepping up and kind of getting these guys together and saying, let's go?
1: Um, I mean, inside linebackers will probably be um, Hatley and Johnson. Um, Hatley started last year. Uh, He's been more vocal this year. He's not a real – he's not a – Crazy motivating type guy, but he's picking people up and telling what they're doing and trying to help them out. Um, Chris Price is probably our emotional leader right now. Um, all winter, he's been in the weight room saying the right things, doing the right things. Uh, and he's like, he's injured right now, flew back for, the, for Mifflin. Um, but he's kind of our vocal leader right now. He plays defensive end returning, started defensive end. He's kind of our emotional guy right now, defensively. And again, depending who ends up starting where, could, another guy could step up and be an emotional type leader, too. So it depends who ends up playing.
2: Yeah, you mentioned Chris Price, and I, I don't. We don't like to dwell on individual stuff because Wilson's always been about the team mm-hmm. success. That's what matters. But and this is me talking. I was really surprised last year that he didn't get much recognition in some of the awards. See, I mean, Wilson got a ton of recognition, a lot of individual stuff. But I thought Chris Price really got better as the season went on. To, to see him not mention even honorable mention on some of those awards, was a little confusing for me. So I think that's definitely driven him in the offseason to get better. But, obviously, he told us just when I did an interview with him on on Monday uh, how much the team success, you know, all the players, that's all, team, team, team.
1: Yeah. um, And he was, well, he became very good friends with Isaiah Regal. Isaiah was a big leader for us last year, and Chris really kind of took that role. You know what I'm saying? Chris, when his junior year started both ways. Mm -hmm. We didn't know if he was starting until when we went into the two days. Yep. Like, he was that outside guy, question mark, and he ended up playing all year both ways for us. He had a great year. And, again, like you said, people had accolades, but he really watched that leadership, especially Isaiah last year, how he led us. Isaiah's a big leader as far as by example, too. One of the hardest works we've ever had. So that helped Chris transform into that type of leader.
2: Yeah, it was great to see. I, I actually remember leading up to the mifflin week, it might have been just two days before the game, I, I messaged him and said, you know, what's the status? And he said he was he was getting the call both ways. Yep. And I remember being very excited to see him uh, to get that opportunity. Yeah, he worked very hard. He deserves it. All right, so let's shift back to looking at some of the opponents, but some of their players. I mean, you've seen film from past years, and obviously you're gathering stuff for this year. But uh, on on paper, who would you say is the most dangerous opposing offensive skill players you're going to see a quarterback running back receiver um, can be league non-league just I got you know, you. who stands um, out
1: I mean you know looking at it I know you know just that I went over my, my book from last year um, Mifflin returns a lot as everybody knows I mean they're in a team starters 13-14 starters whatever it is um, they're going to have a really quick quarterback that played some last year split time uh, they got a real good fullback um, they also have Darius Copeland who went here who was a real good player for us and probably would have played for us this year moved to Mifflin now so he's a dangerous player over there um up front obviously returns some players but if you're looking as far as skill i know um springford returns a starting quarterback and he was very good last year so i'm sure he's gonna be just as good this year if not better um central dolphin i'm not sure i mean they graduated so many people but they are like us they reload and i'm sure they have some skilled players coming up and be able to play Um, once you get into league play uh open up with Warwick, um, reaching the tight end, getting all kinds of accolades. Yeah. Um, you know, him being down there, Grayson Klein now being a quarterback down off. He's starting down there, but he's at school down there, so he might be their quarterback. Um, uh, receiver-wise, I think they graduated most of his receivers from last year. But getting the league play, obviously, you know, the big target is Township. Mm-hmm. I mean, Township returns so many players. I mean, they're actually offense, their offensive skill positions all return, I think, for one wide out. So they're going to have a ton of skill kids. They're going to have a great quarterback, a good running back, you know, quality wide receivers. So, Looking ahead, I mean, I think Township probably is the most offensive talent that we're going to see this year in regular season. Wow, so that, that says a lot
2: with that, that early season schedule
1: and to say. Just uh, the returning quarterback, running right, back, right receivers, sure. them knowing us so well, their coaches, they're very well coached. Um, you know, they might have the most offensive firepower. But also, when it comes down to it, we're still talking about trying to stop Mifflin. I mean, that's, you know, that's where our minds are right now. Right. But looking down the road, like I just happened to look at that a couple weeks ago, Who's returning players. Um, you know, everybody has a couple good guys, good players. Lebanon quarterback is was scary last year against us. Oh, yeah. He is really fast, really scary. So he's going to be an explosive player for him. Um, just pit players to get out of my mind. Stevie graduated a lot. Um, Hempfield has some kids coming back. They have a wide receivers getting some D1 looks. So there's some talent speed out the league.
2: I know. And I, this is... Not to bring up a team that's not even on the schedule, but see, the CDE's quarterback is back as well, and he yeah. was scary dangerous oh, last year. Oh, yeah, he year. was.
1: Left-hander. Yeah, I remember him very well. We did some special game plans for him. Uh, we always run into a playoffs, so who knows? Yeah. If we get you know, fortunate enough to make the playoffs, East will probably be on our schedule at that time, and then we <laughs> got to face that kid again. <laughs> um,
2: yeah, well, the one of the nice things um, from a scouting standpoint is that two of your season opponents play early. Township mm-hmm. and Central Dolphin go head-to-head. I, was it technically... Real week, week tech, one? Yeah, real week one, not zero week yeah. one, yeah. So well, the night you play Mifflin, Central yes. Dolphin and Township put exactly, up. Exactly, yes. That's got to be
1: – that just should be an interesting matchup. But they played the last two years um, and – CD took care CD, of them. CD beats them, but you know what? Town, um, Township does some nice things. CD's just seemed to overwhelm them a little bit physically. They were so physical the last two years. Um, they kind of physically beat them up a little bit, but Township did some nice things against them. And then Township plays Mifflin again too. Township plays Mifflin that's right the week. right, yeah. Two week or three after, it, I think, yeah,
2: uh, yeah I think uh, when, I think the week that we play Springfield, I yeah. think is is when I a think it is, yeah. So it's play. it's a
1: it's a matchup that you know it's. So the Central Dolphin Township matchup is going to be interesting, and a lot's going to dictate on that. You know, I'm sure whatever we do against Central Dolphin, people are going to start comparing. And the same with Mifflin, you know, whatever we do against Mifflin and then Township, whatever they do, we do against them. That's going to be a lot of comparisons. So there's some interesting matchups, and it's it's going to be able to see them against quality opponents too, like seeing Central Dolphin against quality opponents, right. seeing Man Township against quality opponents, seeing Mifflin against quality opponents is a good thing. Justin and I are
2: notorious for saying when it comes to sports that the mathematical property – the transitive property does not apply. No. Just because you know township beats CD or vice versa, and we beat one,
1: doesn't mean we beat the other. No. It doesn't work like not that at all. It's matchups. It's all come down to personnel matchups. Yep. And you know, sometimes you have an off day, but usually it comes down to matchups. Like if who have how you match up. You know, I mean, we matched up very well uh, last year against Central Dolphin. Um, it was kind of even. But do you look at Township and we kind of were, we overmatched Township last year. Um, so those things happen, like you said. It doesn't. It doesn't work that way.
2: I think that's all I got for you, Coach. So thanks for joining us. I look forward to talking to you after each win this season. Hope there'll be a lot of them. (laughs) Me too. Thanks. Take care. Okay, so we got to hear from defensive coordinator Ernie Wolver and wide receivers coach Joe Opalonic, And we thank them for taking the time out of their busy schedules to sit down and talk with the Bulldog Hour as we get ready to start the 2017 season. I think that wraps up everything for this show.
3: Yeah. You know, just thanks again to the coaches. Um, You know, we thank the players last week. I think the coaches this week again is that their willingness to uh, let us have access, um, you know, is what allows us to make the show. So it makes a lot of fun. So thanks again.
2: Definitely. So I think that's everything for episode two of the Bulldog Hour. Uh, We will be back in the coming weeks to cover the team more. And get ready for our live shows following the Mifflin game on September 1st. Again, those will be on Sunday nights at 8.30 p.m. on Facebook Live every other week. So September 3rd is the first Sunday we're doing a live show. Don't forget, you can uh, follow us and interact with us in many ways. There's uh, ways to support us. And we do want to thank uh, our anonymous donor that has helped out for the last three years. So we appreciate that. And also to May Sandwich Shop, the uh, corporate sponsor, who is also entering the third year of in partnership with us for the show. And if you'd like to be an advertising or or a sponsor of the show, be sure to check out BulldogHour.com. Until next time, you're listening to Episode 2 of the Bulldog Hour's third season. I'm Joe Mays. He's Justin Raffoff. And remember, Go, Go Bulldogs. Bulldogs!
1: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Bulldog Hour. Want more Wilson football? Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Or visit www.bulldoghour.com.
0: The Bulldog Hour is a feature program on jmnjrradio.com.